Hi, I'm Stephen Apt, and here at Divine Savior Church, we believe that the message of Jesus truly changes lives. And so it's my prayer that as you listen to this message, that it does change your heart, uh, that it brings you peace and hope once again today. After you listen to it, if you wouldn't mind subscribing and liking, uh, we'd be grateful for that so that more people can hear the message of Jesus. Thank you. We're in a series right now called Disciples, and what we're doing is looking at the 12 disciples that Jesus had called to himself and that he poured into. And what we're seeing is how God's grace worked to them, for them, and through them. And as we're working through this series, I think what we're starting to see is, uh, unsurprisingly, we have a lot in common with these disciples. Uh, Not only by the way they act, what they're looking for, things like that, but we also have in common our God, whose same grace works for us, to us, and through us. And so as we continue to make our way through the disciples, uh, this morning we come to Philip. Uh, If you've been with us the last couple weeks, you've probably heard Philip's name. We looked at him in John chapter 1 a couple weeks ago. Uh, Jesus came to him and called him and said, come, follow me. He found him, called him, said, follow me, and Philip started following him. And he was so excited that he went to find his friend Nathaniel, and he said, we found the Messiah. And he said, he's Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathanael said, Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Philip was the one who told Nathanael. And Philip is the one we're going to be looking at today. Uh, Philip was looking for something. Better, he was looking for someone. He was looking for God. And what he wanted was to know God. And so that's what we're going to focus on today. Where do you find God? How do you know God? And when you know God, what's it lead to? How do you find God? Where do you find God? And when you find him, what does that knowledge lead to? We're in John chapter 14 this morning. Uh, John 14, it is the night before Jesus dies. Uh, Jesus and his disciples are in an upper room Uh, in Jerusalem. They just celebrated the Passover festival. Uh, Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. He famously washed his disciples' feet. And now Jesus knows that tomorrow he's going to die. The next day he's going to be on the cross dead. Later that night he knows that he's going to be arrested. And so he's pouring into his disciples. He's teaching them all kinds of things. And he had just said, it's time for me to depart. It's time for me to leave. And where I'm going, Jesus said, you know, and you know the way. And the disciples said, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus, in John chapter 14, 6, responds this way. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? 
even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these. Because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Notice what Jesus says in response to, we don't know the way. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's a very famous line from Jesus, and it's a very big claim by Jesus. Jesus doesn't say, I am one of many ways to the Father. He says, I am the way. He doesn't say, I'm I'm one of many truths. Truth is subjective. If you want to follow my truth, great. It can be your truth. But if someone else wants another truth, that's fine too. He doesn't say that either. He says, I am the truth. And he says, I am the life. Apart from Jesus, there is no life. There's not an alternative life. It's Jesus or no life. That is a huge claim. But the second claim that he makes right after that is just as big, and it's probably one that we're not all that familiar with. Notice verse 17. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. If you know me, Jesus says, you know the Father. That is also a big claim. If you know Jesus, you know the Father. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know the Father. And so your first point today, if you want to know the Father, you have to know Jesus. That is his point. Where do we find God and how do we know him? It's only through Jesus. You can't find Jesus, or you can't find God anywhere else. You can't know God by any other means except through Jesus. That's Jesus' claim. And it's at this moment where Philip interjects and he has a request. Look what he says. Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough. There's a positive in his request and a negative. Let's talk about the positive first. Positive. He wants to know God. He wants to know the Father. This is what Philip wants. He wants to find God, know God, and he just wants to see God. That's a good thing. Because it's what we were created for. Back in Jeremiah chapter 23, which we looked at earlier, remember God said, let the man who boasts, let the one who boasts, boast in this, that they have the understanding to know me. That is what we were created to do. That's the aim of our life, the goal of our life, to know God. That's what we're here for, to know him. But more than that, it's what eternal life is all about. I think I have the verse up there. Yes, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. 
John chapter 17, uh, verse 3. If you look at that, just a few chapters later after Jesus is talking in John chapter 14, what does Jesus say eternal life is? Knowing God. That's eternal life. Knowing the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Our purpose in life is to know God. Eternal life is knowing God, Jesus says. And so Philip, you're absolutely right. What a great positive thing. We want to know the Father. Show me the Father. I want to see him. It's exactly what we were created to do. If you're here today and you're directionless, if you're feeling like something's missing, you're not content, uh, if you're not satisfied, maybe it's because what you're looking for is God. Maybe what we need is to be in the Word and see and know the Father, and it's only through Jesus Christ that that can happen. That's what we were created for. Not just now, but for eternity. To know God. This is a positive. Philip wants to know God. The negative. Second point. For Philip, Jesus was not enough. For Philip, Jesus wasn't enough. How do we know? Because what did Jesus just say? If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. If you really know me, you know my Father. It's like Philip says, that's great, Jesus, but just show me the Father. Yes, I know you, but I need more. Show me the Father. What he wants is a, a theophany. He wants to see God, and what he fails to realize is that the one sitting right across the table from him the one that he's been with 24-7 for the last three years, is God himself. It's easy to uh, relate to Philip, if we're honest. Think of the excitement that Philip had back in John chapter 1. Jesus came, he found him, said, come follow me, so excited, starts following Jesus. What's he do? He goes and tells other people about Jesus. We found the Messiah. Come. Come. You're going to find out too. But then as life kind of starts getting back to normal and, and the newness wears off, all of a sudden the one that we hang out with all the time isn't enough. Jesus, who, who he's with all the time, suddenly isn't sufficient with the things that need to be done in front of you. John chapter 6, uh, it's when Jesus feeds the 5,000 we're told that Jesus is up on the, uh, on the hill and he sees the crowds coming towards him and he stops Philip and says, hey, Philip, how are we going to feed all these people? And Philip looks out and he says, eight months' wages wouldn't buy enough food to give all of these people just a bite of food. Who's he forget standing right there? Jesus. Who can do anything? Who has demonstrated it over the, over the course of Philip following him, that he can do anything, and yet Philip is too concerned out there and forgets about Jesus. And now he stands before Jesus, sits before Jesus, and Jesus says, if you know me, you know the Father. Great Jesus, just show me the Father. I just want to see God. You're not enough. 
And you can tell Jesus takes it that way. Because how does he respond? Philip, don't you know me? It's easy to relate to Philip. Because if we're honest, living as a Christian can be hard at times. Because we can't see God. We can't call God on the phone and talk to him. And sometimes it would be great, we think, if God would just appear to us. If I could just have a theophany and God appear and I see him, things would be a lot better. And we hear what Jesus says here. And we say, yeah, Jesus, I know you. That's great. But that's not enough. I'd like to see God. And so we start trying to find God other places. We look for God in the experiences that we have. Thinking that if we travel and see the world, we'll get closer to God. We'll know God better. We look for God in the miraculous. We look for God in the healings. We look for God in the good fortunes. If I have good that comes into my life, then I'll really know God. We look God we look for God in religious traditions. Instead of finding God where he is, in Jesus Christ. This is how God makes himself known, through Jesus Christ, his son. He is the, he is the image, Colossians says, of the invisible God. Jesus makes the invisible visible, who walks among us, who walked among us. But what's the big deal? Why was it such a big deal for Philip to ask? Just show me the Father and that would be enough. Wouldn't it be easy just for Jesus to say, okay, fine, let me just show you God real quick to, to satisfy your heart's desire. You'll see God and then you'll know, then it'll be okay. Seeing someone doesn't mean you know them. For instance, you could go to a restaurant, you can go to a park, you can go to a gym, you, you can go to work, and you can see somebody. You can see them and, and observe all kinds of things about them, what kind of clothes they wear, you can see how they interact with others, but do you really know that person? No. Until when? until you sit down and talk with them, until they speak to you, until you hear the words that, that are coming out of their mouth, and, and then you get to know that individual. It's when you speak to them. In John chapter 1, how does John start his gospel? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Who's John talking about? Jesus. And what's he called Jesus? The Word. Because it's through Jesus that we get to know God himself. How? You want to know that God loves you. You can only know it by looking at Jesus. God so loved you that he sent his one and only son who died on the cross 
for you. Because how much does God love you? He loves you so much, he, he, he didn't want you to be separated from him for eternity. So instead, he sent Jesus, who on the cross said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why? Because all of our sin was placed on him. Because God loved you that much that he forsook his son to not forsake you. You can't know the loving heart of God without Jesus. You want to know that God will take care of you. You can only know it through Jesus. Because how much did God value you? He values you so much that he was willing to pay the price to have you as his own. He paid his son Jesus. He's not going to leave you for your needs unmet. He's going to take care of your needs if he was willing to pay that great a price to have you as his own. You can only know that through Jesus. You want to know your God is powerful. You can only know it through Jesus and the empty tomb. As God himself died on the cross and was raised back to life. That is power over our greatest enemy. And he says he has it for you. You want to know that God is holy and just and that the corruption of this world isn't going to get away with it. That those who hurt you aren't going to get away with it. Look to the cross and you're going to see God's justice. You're going to see his holiness carried out on his son on our behalf. And one day, those who don't believe in Jesus, those who don't know Jesus, they will have to answer for what they've done to you. God is just, he's holy, but you only know that by looking at the cross. You want to get to know God. You want to know God. You want to find God. He's only found in Jesus. And this is what he says to Philip. Don't you know me? That I and the Father are one. That the Father is in me. Believe me when I say that the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the basis of the works themselves. That Jesus is God. Made flesh. You want to know God and find God, it's in Jesus. And when you find him, what's it lead to? Notice what he says in verse 12. Very truly I tell you, Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Your last point. Knowing God empowers living for God. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. What works of Jesus can you and I do? Maybe, let me ask the other question first. What works can't we do? You and I can't save the world from sin. We can't. You and I can't create the world. Uh, many of us can't do, all of us, I'll say, can't do miracles like Jesus did. But what you and I can do, the works that Jesus did, was live a life that glorifies God, that honors him, that serves and that's the life and the works that you and I can do. We can serve God by the way we live. And when we do that, we live like Jesus. We do the works that Jesus did. Because Jesus lived to glorify and honor his, God the Father. And so, as we come to know God, when we know his grace, when we know his mercy, when we know him through Jesus Christ, what does it lead to? A life, an empowered life to live for God to glorify him, honor him, 
in what we say, what we think, what we do. And we get to live like our Savior Jesus. But also Jesus says, we'll do greater things than these. How could we do greater things than Jesus? Jesus saved the world from sin. And yet, when he sent the Holy Spirit, what happened? He's given you and I the power, God himself, as we speak the gospel, as we proclaim the gospel, the Holy Spirit works in people's hearts and brings them into the kingdom of God. Jesus can do that, and yet Jesus says that's greater work for you and me. We get to bring people to our Savior Jesus so that they know that through him they have eternal life, so that they know God himself. And we watch as lives are changed, as they come to know God. It's what Mike found out. I did my internship uh, in Katy, Texas, at a church called Victory of the Lamb. And when I got there, I met a man named Mike who had been going there for, I can't remember if it was six months or, or a year. He was relatively new in the grand scheme of things. He was probably late 50s, and I asked him what brought him to the church. And he said, well, I'll be honest with you. He said, I lived most of my adult life as an alcoholic. And one day I came home and my wife said she was going to divorce me. And so I said I needed to do three things. Number one, I needed to find God. Number two, I needed to quit drinking. And number three, I needed to stop chasing women. And I said, whoa, okay. Uh, well, how'd you end up at Victory of the Lamb? And he said, well, when I decided I needed to find God, I had no idea where to go, what church to go to. But I saw this church that is in walking distance from my house, and so the very first Sunday I just walked here, hoping to find God. And he said, when, at the end of the first service, I had no idea what I just heard or what I just experienced. Had no idea why we were standing when we were standing, no idea why we were sitting when we were sitting, no idea of the songs we were singing, why pastor was reading, what he was talking about, but I just remember one thing, hearing Jesus and hearing the name Jesus again and again throughout the service. And then after the service, a man named Hal stopped him and invited him to starting point. And Hal said, it's, it's a class all about learning who God is and what he's done for you. And he said that he was on the fourth time taking that class when I got there. Because every time he learned a little bit more about God, something new that he didn't know. And he said, and the best part is, it's all about Jesus. And then something amazing happened in Mike's life. As he got to know God, it empowered him for living for God. Mike's life changed. Suddenly, Mike wasn't so focused on drinking. In fact, he, he didn't drink alcohol ever again. Uh, he stopped being so self-centered and he started living for other people, including his wife who still wanted to divorce him, but he started serving her, loving her like he should have been the whole time. He started volunteering at church. Whenever anyone needed help, Mike was there living out the gospel in his life. And then God saved his marriage. And suddenly his wife started coming to church with him. And she wanted to take starting point. So Mike took it a couple more times with her and learned more about God. And they both ended up joining the church. Mike told me, I don't 
I, I have a, he said, I have a hard time forgiving myself for what I've done to my family over the years. But I know that God doesn't have a hard time because of Jesus. Diagnosed with stage four cancer. And as he was laying on what ended up being his deathbed, he told this pastor, Pastor, if this would have happened five years ago, I'd be sitting here terrified right now. Because I didn't know if there was a God. But I knew if there was a God, I certainly would be going to hell. And he said, but now I know there's a God. I know Jesus. And all I keep thinking about is how I can't wait to see him. This is eternal life. They may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ. And he knows him forever. And so can you. It's only found in Jesus. God is only found through Jesus Christ, and it's through him that he him. It completely Let's pray. Gracious Father in heaven, we thank you that you've made yourself known to us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. It's through him that we have forgiveness of sins. Through him, we have res the resurrection of the life. And through him, we get to know you. Uh, there are many things pulling for our attention and uh, direction in life, and yet there's only one thing needed, and that is our Savior, Jesus. Through him, uh, we know the way, the truth, and the life. Through him, we know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, his Son, and that is eternal life. We thank you that we have come to know you, and we ask that as we continue in this life, that we get to know you better. Help us to uh, look only to the one true person that can make you known, and that is our Savior, Jesus. As we find him in, in your word, let us dig deep and let, give us insight and understanding into who you are. Uh, and as we do, you will bring contentment and joy now and forever. We look forward to the day that we get to see you face to face, and that's possible only through Jesus. Until that day, help us to continue to grow closer to you. It's in our Savior Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this message today. It's my prayer that uh, it has changed your heart as you grew in the message of your Savior Jesus. Again, if you wouldn't mind liking and subscribing, we'd be grateful for that. God bless your day.